0: Word this morning, come on! I love that nine o'clock. Let's go. Well, for those of you who have not been with us, uh, we are in our tenth message of an, a series that we've called Uncharted, where we've been going through all the chapters uh, in the Book of Joshua, and uh, we're now into uh, chapter chapter the end of chapter six. Um, and uh, it's, been, it's been a blast. I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed teaching it. I've learned a lot. Even today I'm going to teach on some things that I've never really seen in the book of Joshua that came out to me. And what we're finding in the book of Joshua is that there are keys that help us move into a new season or move into new territory. So those of you that feel like you're leaving a season, going into a new season, or you feel something in you getting you ready for your next the Book of Joshua has some very clear keys to help you move into that. Our scripture text has been Joshua three and four that just says, "You have not passed this way before We've read that every every message uh, in this series because that's where we get this name uncharted because we believe God wants us to move into new territory and sometimes that can be scary and that's why we got to make sure we're leaning on him. Come on, didn't we have a great Sunday last Sunday? I'm telling you, that's one of those that I've just been buzzing on all week long, just fired up about it. For those of you that were not here last Sunday, we finally, finally, finally got to where the walls come tumbling down, you know? Yeah. And we gave the big shout. Man, wasn't that fun? It was more than fun. It opened some things up. I literally have had more response about that moment than I've had in the history of the hills. Just that moment, people said, I felt something. I felt God do something. Just how many have been shouting this week? You've been carrying it on? I love that. Come on, let's try it again. One, two, three. There you go. See, it wasn't quite as good as last Sunday, but you did it. I told our team I was more nervous about last Sunday than any message I did in the series. I was, the circumcision, no big deal. Let's roll with it. We'll do a whole Sunday just on that one. But it, I was nervous about that because we have so many people that attend our church that have been taught, you don't talk in church, much less yell like a, like a guttural, and yet we did it. And I'm so proud of y'all. Now, we're following up that week with this week. And you know, anytime there's a big high, you got to make sure that you follow that up with something else, right? Right. Well, I just want to tell you today (laughs) that I'm going to need your full attention today. I'm going to need your focus today, all right? I'm going to need you to commit to being a part of this message, all right? I'm going to need you to lean in. I'm going to need you to amen. I'm going to need you to be responsive. I'm going to need you to take some notes, because last week, We shouted because God has given us the city, amen? Amen. But this week, we're going to talk about how to steward the city once God gives it to you. And I would say to you that that is just as important as the walls coming down. How many have ever had God give you something and yet you didn't steward it well? Oh, just like like 10% of you? How many of you, God ever gave you something that you did not steward well? All right? That's why this is so important. So just lean in with me today. We're going to start this week on the verses that we skipped last week. Remember I told you we're going to skip some verses, but we're going to pick them up next week. How many remember that? I didn't lie to you. Here we go. Right here. Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 16. And the seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! For God has given you the town. Amen? Amen. I'm very excited. God has already promised you something. And if He promised it, it's going to happen. Amen? And then He follows it up with this. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. So look at me. Shout, for I have given you the town. Now everything in the town has to be destroyed. Wait a minute. I thought you said you were giving it to us. I am. And then you're going to destroy it. Why? Because it is an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared for she protected our spies. That's next week. Next week, we're going to tell you the story of Rahab, which is a great way to close out this message series because it just shows the gospel, man. Come on, this is powerful. So bring some friends next week. We're going to be sharing the gospel really strongly, okay? Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. Or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Again, everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord. And must be brought into His treasury. Everybody say His treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could, and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. And what did they do? They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Verse 24 of 6. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So nothing went to anybody in Israel. If it was valuable and could be used in the house of God, then it was set aside for the house of God. Otherwise, it was completely destroyed. You're getting the mental image right there? You're getting the picture? Why? And the scripture says it in our text. Why? Because Jericho is an offering to the Lord. Now why is Jericho an offering to the Lord? And some of you could probably stand and tell me. But I'm not going to let you. Because I want to tell you. (laughs) Alright? Jericho is an offering to the Lord because it is the first city in the promised land. This is the first city that they are to overtake and to capture in the promised land. God told them, do not take anything for yourself. It all belongs to me. Why? Why does it all belong to me? Because it's the first city in the promised land. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first always belongs to God. That was a muttering of an amen. I don't expect all of you to amen. But by the end of this message, I hope that I can hear a little bit more than that. The first always belongs to God, and we can do an entire series on this. matter of fact, we have. You can go online to our Blessed series, and we did it like th- three, three years ago, I think, where we talked on this, and I recommend you going. If you, wanna, if you want God to bless your life, uh, go back and listen to this series. But let me give you a couple of scriptures. The first always belongs to God, Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the... First fruits of your increase. So, all of your increase, God wants you to take the first fruits of it, and that is His. Exodus 13 and 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So, what God, and this is all throughout Scripture that God says, I want the first. So the firstborn, that's mine. The first apple off your apple tree, that's mine. I want it. The first is mine. You don't you don't you don't give it to me because it's already mine. You don't pay it to me because it's already mine. God wants the first. And there's several reasons for that, because God must be first. You do know that. You do know that, right? Like for some of you, God is you love God, but He's not the biggest thing in your life. You love church, but it's not really big in your life. You enjoy it. You enjoy coming and seeing people and get, drinking good coffee and, and hearing a, a message. And you feel good about it. And it's, it's in your life, but it's not a big thing in your life. Well, God wants to be first in your life. Why? Because God is first. God is number one. And because God is already first, He can't be second. The old song so said, so either He's Lord of everything or He's not Lord of anything. I want to help you today. I want to help snap your focus back into attention. That God is not just someone you bring along with you as a companion and to help you out when you get in trouble and it's a good thing. No, God is the only thing. He has to be first. And because of that, because God cannot be second, guess what? He can't accept second. God must be first and we have to give Him the first. And He illustrates this in His own own, uh, character, in His own nature. What did He give us? His what? First and only and best son. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants the first and the best. If you're taking notes, write this down. God doesn't just desire first and best, He requires first and best. Now, for some of you, this is going to feel legalistic because we're a church that talks about grace and mercy and that God loves you and cares for you and always. But let me tell you something this right here is important for you to get. Because this will activate God's mercy and grace and love in your life like you've never had before. If you will put Him first. Will He let you live life and Him not be the main thing in your life? Sure, He's not going to take you out right now. But I'm going to tell you, your life is not how it could be if you would just put Him first in your life. Let me ask you this. Are you giving God the first and the best? Are you? This really challenged Kristen and I this week. It challenged me as a pastor and as a husband and as a father, as a man. Am I giving God the first and the best in my life? Think about this. His day. Are you giving God His day each week? The Sabbath. Y'all know that's one of the commandments, right? Keep the Sabbath. Make it holy. Why? Because it's God's. A lot of times we think, man, I need me a Sabbath. It ain't your Sabbath. <laughs> I just got to have a Sabbath season. No, that's, you're misunderstanding the whole thing. That's a vacation, okay? <laughs> a Sabbath is God's. He said, don't you take my day and do your stuff on it. It's my day, the Sabbath. That's why I think it's important that you take a day. And we, It's Sunday now where we say, this is the first day of the week. I know everybody else may think it's Monday, but I believe Sunday is the first day of the week, and the week gets better when you do Sunday right. And you make a commitment. Family, this is God's day, okay? We're setting this aside. I know you got a lot of stuff going on, and there's ball games and tri- all that stuff, but this is going to be sacred to us and special to us. Look at your neighbor and say, you make a habit of going to church. Amen. I told y'all y'all like the shouting preaching better, okay? But this is going to help you steward what God's given you. Are you giving God the first day of the week? Are you giving it to him? Is that his day where you're serving and worshipping and gathering with people? Next, are you giving God the first and the best of your time and your strength and your energy? Now this this impacted me because I'm I I'm, I've got a weird thing. I stay up late and get up early. I like I'm like a chainsaw. Just like I'm just running and I die and then I'm back up running again. Okay, it's just the way it's the way it is. Uh, and so a lot of times my prayer time and study time will happen at night. It's what I'll do. That just works for me. But I've really been convicted this week because sometimes that's not the best of my energy. That's not the best of my time. And so I've really been. I've really been making a conscious effort to take that time in the morning to make sure that I'm giving that time to God. How many of you that scares you to death because you're not a morning person? Right? Amen. Well, let me just tell you, there's ways you can do it. When you get up, instead of opening up social media, say, no, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have some time with the Lord. All right? I'm going to devote that first. I'm going to tell you, your day will go better. Then scrolling through, the, they didn't invite me to that. What is wrong with them? Why didn't they like my photo? What is wrong? It, doesn't that just mess your whole day up? So what if you got up and you devoted that first time to the Lord, your first? I believe, I, I believe my devotionals are better in the morning anyway. Like it just sets the whole day up. So are you giving God the first and the best of your, your time, the, your week? Are you giving God the first and the best of your money? Are you tithing? And if you're not, you need to be tithing. Malachi 3 and 8 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. And you are under a curse. Y'all, when God says you're under a curse, that's a curse right there, right? Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that there will not be room enough for it. So in other words, if you're obedient to the first fruit 10%, then he blesses you. If you're not obedient, then there's a curse on your life. And he said, if you will do it, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He said, take that 10%, take that first fruit, put it in my storehouse, and watch the rest of it be blessed. How many have found this to be true? Raise your hand if you found that to be true. I know I have the blessings of God in my life. Look at what Haggai says. says this. For those of you that don't put God's house first, you have planted much but harvest little. You eat but you're not satisfied. Anybody right there with that one? Amen. Amen. You drink but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes but can't get warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Can I hear an amen that feels like that's how it happens? How do I stop that? Number one, don't be dumb on buying stuff, okay? Don't go into debt and get all cray-cray on Amazon, okay? All right? That would, be, that would be, that's number two. Number one is put God first in your finances. Be a giver. Be a tither. If you're not doing that, that's the first thing that God requires. I hear some of you, well, I knew when you started talking about putting first, we we're going to get to giving. Yeah, we are. You know why? Because God has called Christianized and I as pastors not just to lead you to fresh water and green grass but to be a watchman on the wall. To look and go, look, your life is not blessed because you're not doing things right. Put God first. Put Him at the front and watch everything else begin to line up. If you will give Him the best, He will bless the rest. Uh. Watch this, mic drop. That was funny, wasn't it, Danny? Those of you listening by audio, I just dropped my lapel mic, okay? All of Jericho is mine. All of it. He said, I want you, when you take the city, I want you to either bring it to my house, bring it into my treasury, or I want you to destroy it. And he said, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to God. Y'all look at me. That is the true meaning of giving. Where you give so much that you lose it. A lot of people see giving as investing. Or loaning. Or renting. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help because I'm expecting a return on my investment. That's not giving. Giving is when you release it, you release it. Amen? Amen? Same works for forgiveness, by the way. You don't put restrictions on that. It's you give it away. How many of you have ever been fighting over a bill with somebody? No, I'm going to pay. No pay. Okay, you got, all right, well, here's 20 bucks. You, here's 20 bucks, right? Here's 20. And they're like, I'm not taking your money. Well, I'm going to leave it right here then. How many of you ever done that, fighting over it? If you don't take it, I'm leaving it on the table. How many know nobody ever leaves it on the table? <laughs> right? Somebody, all right, okay, I'll take it. take it. I'll get you next time though, bro. I'll Venmo you, okay? I got you. True giving would be, you're not going to take it? All right, I'm burning it. That's giving. That's where you say, okay, God, this, is, I'm, this I am giving it over to you so much that I'm going to trust you with what you do with it. And I'm going to trust you to take care of me. Matter of fact, that's what greed is. Greed says, I don't trust that God's going to take care of me. So I've got to hoard some away for myself. Man, I'm preaching this morning. This was so important that Joshua prophesied a curse would fall on anyone that rebuilt Jericho. Listen, remember what giveaway is, right? Giveaway. So much that it dies, just like God gave his only son and allowed him to be massacred. It is a giving, not loaning, not investing. It's giving away. I have no connection to it anymore. It is gone. Look at what Joshua says Joshua 6 and 26. At that time, Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. In other words, this is so important. This is God's town. When we destroy it, if somebody tries to rebuild it, I am telling you there's going to be, he prophesied, there's going to be a curse on them. And watch what happens. He said, at the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. And at the cost of his youngest son, he will set up the gates. Would you all, hey, that's pretty important, right? Now, would you try to build this town back? It's going to require two of your children. And look what happens in 1 Kings 16 and 34. If you don't think that the prophets are dead on. It was during his reign that Hael, a man from Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. When he laid its foundation, it cost him the life of his oldest son. And when he completed it and set up the gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. First of all, if God says it, it's going to happen. You hear me? Prophecies are real, and they come to pass. Secondly, be really careful trying to rebuild something that God said destroy. I really felt that this week as I was studying. Some of you, God has asked you to get out of a relationship because it is toxic for you. And you've made the decision, but now, you're, uh, maybe it wasn't so bad. Be careful with that. If God told you, some of you, God has asked you to stop doing something, a sin, a cycle in your life, and you've done good with it. But now it's starting to come back around and it's starting, well, maybe it wasn't quite as bad. Be really careful rebuilding those things. Maybe it's a mindset for you. How many have had a God change your mind on some things? But how many would agree that every once in a while it's so easy just to roll back into that mindset? Be really careful that you don't rebuild things that God asks you to destroy. Let's move into chapter seven. Y'all were in chapter seven now. Yay! Y'all have done good. Joshua 7 and 1. But, and there again, like last week, that's a big but, all right? But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart from the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. There's some things that I could talk on there that I'll just share with you. If you build teams, if you're a coach, uh, if you're about team. He said Israel violated the instructions. Israel violated. Is it still up there? Bring that scripture back up. John, Joshua 71. Israel violated, but it was Achan who stole it. And then he says this. And the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. There's something about the body. There's something about a team. There's something about the church that that we got to make sure we're all in this together and we're all pulling our weight. Amen? Amen. And so let me tell you what happens. And and you can read it when you get home. This will be your homework, uh, Joshua 7. But here's what happens. They They overtake Jericho. They destroy everything in it except for one man named Achan. And he sees some things that he really likes. He sees a beautiful robe. ...from Babylon, and he sees 200 uh, silver coins, a bar of gold... ...and he takes them and he hides them in the ground beneath his tent. doesn't tell anybody about it. He hides them. Why? Because he wanted them, the Bible says. He's greedy. He doesn't feel like God's going to take care of him. So he hides these things in the tent. And then look what happens. The Bible says that they left, they take Jericho... And they, they completely destroy Jericho. And then the next town is Ai. Everybody say Ai. AI. Is that an Amber Alert? Yeah. Are we all good? What? What's it saying? You read it to me. You have your glasses? What is it? All right, Lord, right now, be with whatever's going on in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. Right now. Intervene, Lord. Intervene a miracle in Jesus' name. Protection in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Memphis. Come on, in Memphis. Do it, Lord. Amen. And just like that. I love it. Amen. Come on. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. We're going to wait just a minute, all right? Thank you, Lord. Isn't it amazing how just like that, things change? Just like that, things shift and change. How many of you have ever had that happen in your life? Just like that, everything's just rolling along, and then suddenly it's a text, a phone call, something just clicks like that. That's why it's important that we're always walking in obedience. Because it's hard to obey at the last minute, right? (laughs) Let me get it right, okay? And God's like, I've been giving you signs, I've been telling you, aching, you knew. Don't touch the stuff. Everybody in Israel knew. Don't touch it. I keep giving you signs. Matter of fact, I'm going to share something with you. And I, I just, I've been, I've been trying to fill this out how I wanted to share this. But you know, tomorrow is a monumental day because there's a, there's an eclipse going on. Y'all know that, right? How many got your glasses? How many do not have them? Get you a welding helmet, okay? My dad's got a, my dad's got a couple of them. All right. Let me say something to you. Here's what the Bible says. Now look. I, I want you to hear me, and y'all know, those of you that don't, if you your first time here, just know what kind of church we are. We're a life-giving church. But also, I do believe that God sets us up as pastors, as I said a moment ago, to be watchmen on the wall. The Bible says in Genesis that God created uh, the sun and the moon, and he put it in the sky, not just for years and days, but for signs. Signs. Now we're not astrologers, okay? But we do believe that God speaks to these things. Everybody say a sign. So in other words, when you see things like this happen, you need to pay attention to them. Now, I know a lot of you have eclipse parties and that's awesome. Don't cancel them. It's okay. It's it's cool, all right? It's a, it's a great thing. But I don't want us to get so caught up in all oh, this is so amazing that we forget that God gives us signs. Now the, the thing about this eclipse is there's another one coming in seven years. I don't know if y'all think about that but that's like there's something on that. 7 years another one is coming. Jesus said this, when you begin to see these things happen, wars and rumors of wars. Like right now where a tweet could cause World War III, you know what I mean? Like like it's it's like crazy what's we're in. How many of you agree we're in a monumental time right now? And so I don't believe that this eclipse is by chance. I believe that it's God saying, "Hey, I want my church to wake up, and another one's coming in seven years, so I really want y'all to wake up, you know? And he says, when you start seeing these things and you see earthquakes, well, the weird thing is when you look at the path of this eclipse that's coming here and the one that's coming in seven years, they form an X right above Memphis. And that's right where the New Madrid fault is, by the way. Jesus said, when you see eclipses and earthquakes Think about what happened. Nineveh had an eclipse and an earthquake right before Jonah showed up. Why do you think an entire nation turns to God? Why? It wasn't because Jonah got spat out of a well, it's because they had already seen an eclipse and an earthquake. They're like, okay, we're ready. Come on, do something for me, please. When Jesus dies on the cross, what happens? An eclipse and an earthquake. Now I'm not saying we're going to have an earthquake tomorrow. But I am telling you this. When you start seeing these things begin to happen. Earthquakes and eclipses and famines and wars and rumors of wars. Here's what Jesus said. Don't be scared. Look up because your redemption is about to show up. All right? Now, those of you that just a moment ago, like, oh God, earthquakes. Like, you can't, if you're a child of God and you really believe that He is going to protect you when you're obedient, then we believe that. Let everybody else freak out and get scared of it. I believe, but I also believe this is the time that we need to get more charged up about the house of God and the things of God than ever before. Because when stuff starts happening, guess who they're going to look to? The Bible says, "The church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church." It might prevail against you, but it won't prevail against the church. That's why you got to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. How'd I do, baby? Was that all right? Come on. So when you're looking up tomorrow and you're seeing that happen, this is the time that you say, "Okay, God, I'm acknowledge you and everything." All right, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's get ready. Let's get fired up. Come on. Achan, same thing. Signs, words. Don't do this. Don't do this. But what does he do? He takes it and he hides it to himself because he was greedy and he didn't trust God. And so because of that, Israel goes to fight the second battle. Jericho, walls tumble. They just walk in, right? They go to Ai and they're completely and utterly defeated. And they didn't even send all their army. They're like, that's just a little town. We just roll over and take care of them. Defeated them. And Joshua and the elders fell on their face. and began to cry. They said, God, what have we done? And the Lord said, because you're disobedient. And he begins to show them tribe. And then from the tribe to the families, down to the families, down to the man, Achan. And Achan finally confesses. And he said, I, I took these things and I hid them. And the Bible says that the Israelites took Achan out with his silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his goats, and his tent. Everything that he had, Israelites stoned them, burned their bodies, and piled stones over them. Man, aren't you glad we don't live by the law now? How many more thankful for grace than ever before? But you know what? Grace doesn't do away with the disobedience and obedience thing. Grace just means that you get a chance to ask Him to forgive you and start over, right? Doesn't mean you just keep on being disobedient. It just means we don't take you out and stone you right now. And so Achan steals it, pulls it away. The Bible says they destroy Him. And the the Scripture says... And the Bible says, after this, God was no longer angry. Because of Achan's unbelief and disobedience, his entire family was affected. I want to I say something to you. Your obedience will bless your family. And how many have found this to be true? Your disobedience will mess up your family. Come on, one or two hands. (laughs) How many, somebody else's disobedience messed you up? This is why it's important that we are obedient to what God is saying. Are you taking what belongs to God and using it for yourself? Look at me. Are you taking what belongs to God and using it for yourself? Your gifts and your talents? Are you using them for everything else and then what's left over you give to God? Are you giving him the best and the first of that? What about your focus? What about your devotion? Are you giving that to something else and then God gets the last of it? Your time? Your week? Your money? I want to encourage you. Be obedient to the word of God and put him first. A number one. And then look at what Joshua says in 24 and 15. Look at this. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you rather prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? He says there's a lot of choices for you. And I love what he says. Look, I'm leading Israel. Is what Joshua says, I'm leading y'all. But I'm telling you right now, y'all go do what you want to do. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's for me and my house. I'm going to serve the Lord. It's time for us to decide. And here's what it's time for us to decide. Remember what we talked about the last several weeks, that a walk with God is all about two things. Do you believe? And do you believe enough to obey? The entire book of Joshua comes down to those two things. Do you believe? Do you believe enough to obey? The entire walk with God comes down to those two things, right? Do you believe? And do you believe enough to obey? Close your eyes. I want to pray for you today.